LSU baseball falls to Wake Forest in game two in Omaha, three to two, and it sucks. LSU couldn't avoid what I thought was going to be detrimental to this team. But it's not over yet. You are locked on LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, thank you for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, we also are on YouTube as well. So you can check us out there. You can watch us as well as listening to us on your preferred podcast platform. My name is Caroline Fenton, and I am your host, as I am every single day. You can find me on Twitter at CarolineFenton1, or you can follow along at Locked on LSU for podcast updates. But let's get into it, because last night, last night was a heartbreaker. There's no really better way to put it. I kind of sat there at the end of the game just in shock, in frustration, in anger, in just pure defeat. But there's no one else to blame other than LSU baseball itself. I know you can point to a whole lot of things that were out of LSU's control. The officiating, for example. I thought the home plate umping last night was... Less than ideal. I thought that it was unacceptable. I thought that it was inconsistent. I thought that it was a problem. But I can't turn to that and say that that was the only reason why LSU lost. If nobody else but to blame but yourself. And that's that's kind of the crushing part about it, right? I was watching that game last night. That was such a winnable game. That Wake Forest team, they're beatable. It just wasn't LSU's best night. They didn't play good baseball last night. There's a few things that I look to, that I point to, to say, hey, look, you can blame the umps all you want, but this really, at the end of the day, was why you le- why you lost. First of all, I thought coaching was not ideal. I don't think that this was the best game that Jay Johnson coached, for a few reasons. One, I thought the decision to leave Ty Floyd in as long as they did was a bad one. And, of course, it's easy for me to say. I talk about this all the time. It's Critiquing coaching decisions is really easy. My job is easy. I get to, you know, look at it in retrospect and say, well, that was a bad decision. But I think the reason why I think it was such a poor decision and why I feel like it's justified to criticize Jay Johnson is because that's not new with Ty Floyd. Ty Floyd has a history of losing command of his pitches. Losing the strike zone. Walking batter after batter after batter. Throwing ball after ball after ball. Now, I think it's so fair to say that a whole lot of those pitches that were called balls were not balls. I mean, on ball four, I thought, okay, well, that's strike six. That's strike three right there. That should have been an out. That should have been an out. That should have been a strike. I know that. I I hear you. But to leave Ty Floyd in after he walked three batters, I thought that was a bad decision. I understand the idea of letting your guy stay in there, letting your guy battle it out, letting your guy finish what he started. But I would much rather look back and regret pulling a guy too soon than pulling him too late. 
if you pull a guy too soon, you can say, well, man, you know, if we just left him in one more inning, what could have happened? Could we have shut him out? Got one, two, three quick, easy outs? Or would we have given up two runs in an inning and cost us the game? I would rather take the uncertainty and the what if rather than the certainty of knowing that, dang, we just we pulled him just one guy earlier, got that double play just a little bit earlier. We're able to get a guy in there that had a little bit better command, that was more well-rested. That's the frustrating thing about it. Ty Floyd has a history of this. And let me tip my cap to Ty Floyd. He had an outstanding beginning of that game. Through five innings, he was nails. Nails. He looked like that Ty Floyd that I talked about yesterday that you needed. Where when it's a 3-2 count, he's not sweating it. I mean, I tweeted this last night. I said he is the king of 3-2 counts. Because he can go up 2-0, maybe a 2-1 count, 3-1 count. And then he'll strike you out. Because he'll get it up to a 3-2 count. He'll get you chasing. I thought that Ty Floyd had an outstanding night last night until he didn't. And that's on Jay Johnson. And that's on the coaching staff for not for not taking him out a little bit earlier. So that is on them, I would say, the coaching staff. I don't have a problem with uh, with Trey Morgan running there. That ground ball, that uh, Cade Beloso ground ball to third. I don't have a problem with telling Trey Morgan to run there. It didn't work. And that goes back to, you know, was it a bad decision because it didn't work or was it a bad decision because it was a bad decision? It was a bad decision to leave Ty Floyd in as long as they did because it was a bad decision. It was a ba- You may think it was a bad decision to let Trey Morgan run there at third in the ground ball because it didn't work. But I, I think in a game like that, in Omaha, you got to take advantage of every hit that you're getting. So I don't have a problem with that. It just didn't work. And it was just a really good play from that third baseman, which looked like he was about to fumble the bag there, turn it into a really good play. It's because Wake Forest is a really good team. We knew that. Which brings me to my second point. The offense didn't step up when LSU needed them to last night. That's something that I said yesterday. Is that this offense is going to carry you to Omaha. This offense can right any other wrongs you might have on the rest of this team. LSU does not have the deepest bullpen in the the field of eight. We knew that. But I've said they don't have to have the best bullpen. Because if they have a pitching staff that'll give up three runs, well, this offense can score five. Gave up three runs last night against the number one team in the country. If you would have told me LSU gives gives up three runs to Wake Forest, I would say, okay, well, then I think that LSU would win. Because the offense is good enough. But they weren't last night. Five hits and two runs, it's just not good enough. Leaning, leaving runners in scoring position in the eighth when you need those runs, when Wake Forest is gaining momentum, when it looks like the ball is in their corner, it's unacceptable. Trey Morgan had a solid day at the plate. Tommy White also another solid day at the plate. Trey Morgan with a double and a triple. Tommy White with a really, really clutch double. Cade Beloso late in the game, that ground ball to third. You know, they were moving the bats. Just wasn't enough from the rest of the lineup. I said yesterday that this X factor, the difference for LSU, is it's not just who's up to bat first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. It's who's up to bat sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. It's those guys at the bottom of the lineup, the Gavin Dugas, the Hayden Travinsky, the Josh Pearsons. Those are the guys, the Braden Bears. Those are the guys that can also get runs for you. It's not just Tommy White, Trey Morgan, and Dylan Cruz. 
But we didn't get that last night. The bats as a whole, we didn't get that last night. And if you only, you know, you get five hits and two runs and you leave runners in scoring position like that, then you're not going to win very many ball games. period. Especially in Omaha. Especially against the number one overall seed. So, I get it. The humps were bad last night. Man, oh man, were they bad. If you want to have a tight strike zone, that's fine. But you can't just all of a sudden make the strike zone tight. Like, there were so many pitches that were being called balls in the sixth inning that were strikes in the fourth and fifth. You can't do that. You got to have consistency. You want a tight strike zone? Fine. You want to call things that are all which way? Strikes? Fine. That's fine. But be consistent with your strike zone. It was so obvious how things were changing in the sixth inning. And that sucks. It sucks. And it absolutely worked against LSU. But I can't act like LSU was all innocent in all of it because it wasn't all peachy keen from LSU's side. But it's not over. We've got a game today. Going to preview Tennessee for the second time this week and also what the rest of the field looks like from here. Where does LSU go from here? We'll get into that coming up next. But before we do that, I want to tell you about FanDuel. Y'all know that I absolutely love the FanDuel Sportsbook app. And baseball season is in full swing. And there is no better place to bet on the action than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to join today. One of my favorite things about the FanDuel Sportsbook app is that they've always got uh, odds boosts or promotions going on. So check out the FanDuel Sportsbook app. See what some of the promotions are going on in the FanDuel Sportsbook app because it might be something that you've never even thought of. It might be a parlay that, hey, with the odds boost, maybe you wouldn't be traditionally wanting to be that risky, but with an odds boost, you're going to go for it. So check out what odds boosts and promotions FanDuel has going on today. So don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Well, thanks again for making Locked on LSU your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is coming up tomorrow on the podcast. We'll have a full recap of LSU and Tennessee action. My plan is to talk about what LSU has to do in order to beat Wake Forest to, on Thursday. But until then, we'll do a full recap of Tennessee LSU. Um, so I want to get into where we go from here. LSU falls to Wake Forest 3-2 in an absolute heartbreaker. I don't remember the last time I felt this way about an LSU game. Honestly. Maybe at A&M. Probably the AM game, the AM loss. What was at stake there? A potential college football playoff board uh, bid on, on the table. It's been a while. These heartbreakers don't come around a lot. And when they do, they sting. And when you're on the other side of it, it's really exciting. But man, it that was that was a tough loss last night. That sucked. That sucked. That was that was uh that sucked. But it's not over. You got Tennessee today. And your path just got significantly more difficult. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but let's be real. 
I thought ever since the beginning that getting into the loser's bracket would be absolutely detrimental to this LSU baseball team because the loser's bracket tips the advantage to the, the teams with deeper bullpens, tips the advantage to teams with better arms or just more arms. LSU is the best pitcher in the country. But behind that, as we all know, you feel confident about about Ty Floyd. You can feel confident about Thatcher Hurd. But as a whole, you just don't have enough arms, I don't think, to be able to propel you through the loser's bracket. Because it's not just Tennessee tonight. It's, it's beating Wake Forest and then trying to beat Wake Forest again when you're already coming into Omaha at a disadvantage with your pitching staff and with your bullpen. So I, I feel like a total Debbie Downer. I just want to be realistic here that now the path gets significantly more difficult. What the path would have been, we would have beaten Wake Forest last night, you get the day off, you can rest your arms, and then you get the privilege of playing a team again that you've already beaten. You get the privilege of playing maybe just one more game and beating either Wake Forest and Tennessee, two teams in this hypothetical scenario, that you would have already beaten, and then you would have been able to get to the College World Series final. Skeens would have been well-rested. He can pitch game one. And then from there, you need Ty Floyd to step back up and win you another game. That seemed like the clearest path for LSU. If LSU would have won last night, my hopes and my expectations for this team would have skyrocketed. Now... You don't get that day off. You got to burn another arm today against Tennessee. And, oh, yeah, by the way, Tennessee has much better and much deeper arms than you do. Tennessee is pitching Drew Beam today, and Drew Beam has been spectacular. Tennessee, throughout the the entirety of the regular season, even when they were in kind of that slump at the beginning of the regular season, Tennessee's played significantly better on Sundays than they had on Fridays or Saturdays, or on Saturdays than they did Thursdays and Fridays, however the schedule fell. I don't think that that's by coincidence. Drew Beam is a really solid player. I think that the only kind of, you know, lemonade in this lemon is that they burned, no pun intended, Chase Burns yesterday. He came in relief of Chase Dolander, who started that first game against Stanford yesterday. Um, He threw three or four innings, and then Chase Burns came in and pitched six. So he will not be available tonight. He is far and beyond. They're their number one go-to guy, their best go-to guy out of the bullpen. So he will not be available tonight. So maybe that works in your favor, that behind Drew Beam, if you can get on him early, if you can get the bats moving, if you can make contact with the ball, then maybe you're going to force Tennessee to go to their bullpen. You know, this is going to be a, a bullpen game for LSU. Like Jay Johnson said last night, you got nine guys that you can use, nine guys that can be available. If you use all nine, fine, great, that's fine. Whatever you have to do to just get in there get a win, survive, and try and tackle Wake Forest again. Because Wake Forest is a beatable team. You get a couple more hits last night, you win that game. Even with the horrendous umpire calls. So uh, the path is still there. Crazy things happen in this sport. We know. We've seen it. We've been on the receiving and the tail end of some weird and crazy things that can happen in Omaha. It just doesn't feel as good. My keys to winning against Tennessee tonight are going to be the same keys to beating every other team on this path to a national championship. You need production from the top to the bottom of the batting order. You have to get the bats moving. You cannot leave men stranded in, in, in any inning, but especially 
in those innings that matter the most. In the, bottom, in the top of the eighth. You can't do that. Bring those guys home. Get the bats moving. The pitching, what I just think it needs to be, just get outs. It doesn't need to be pretty. Get outs. That's all you need to do. And if it, like me saying that, that's all you need to do. Like, it's easy. But just get outs. Get the bats moving. And then go from there. I would take this lineup over any other lineup in the country. I've said that before. I'll say it again. And I still believe it. Even if LSU loses today, I still believe that. But your job just got a lot more difficult. And what I thought about Tennessee, I said, this is perfect. This is a perfect thing for LSU because they can beat Tennessee with schemes. Tennessee goes to the loser's bracket. And all you can hope is just you beat Wake Forest and you take care of your job and you let all the other teams battle it out. You let all their other bullpens battle it out. I don't want to play Tennessee's bullpen again because they have what you don't, and that is depth. And then here we are. So we'll see. We will see. I have belief, even if you think that I don't, I do have belief. The key is you got to win the game offensively. Your pitching is going to be able to get enough done for you. But as we saw last night against Wake Forest, you know, a slow day at the plate is going to be a long day for you. And it makes their job significantly easier. So get those bats moving and just get outs. That's what you need from your pitching today. We've got a few questions. We'll do some mailbag LSU baseball Omaha themed mailbag questions. We'll get into those coming up next. Well, thanks again for making Locked in LSU your first listen every single day. We are just a few hours away from first pitch. LSU, Tennessee in the loser's bracket in Omaha. Tennessee took down Stanford yesterday. Tennessee takes down Stanford and advances to now playing LSU, who lost Wake Forest last night in an absolute heartbreaker. But let's get into your questions about it. One t- uh, one person asked the question, why do you think that they left Thatcher Hurd in as long as they did last night? Do you think that they're saving pitchers? Are they saving arms for later this week? Here's my philosophy. When you get in, when you get to Omaha, there's no such thing as saving arms. There is no such thing as tomorrow because tomorrow is not guaranteed because saving arms can mean throwing this game and now you're better suited for the loser's bracket when you have to win three more games to dig yourself out of that hole. Uh Uh-uh. No such thing as saving arms. You put in whoever you need to put in to win. You'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. You'll worry about your depth and your bullpen tomorrow. Win this game tonight. Even if you have to, you know, blow 17 arms, and I'm being dramatic, 17 arms in the process. If you have to put in a different pitcher every single inning, do whatever it takes to win. So, no, I don't think that it was a matter of saving arms. Look, I think you saw why they kept Thatcher Hurd in. Yeah, I got a little shaky there. But Thatcher Hurd ultimately ended up taking care of business. I didn't disagree with the decision to leave Thatcher Hurd in. Honestly, I, I, I didn't. Um, and I don't, and, and to the, the saving arms thing, I, I don't believe in that. Maybe that is what they were doing. I don't know. I don't think that that's very smart though. I don't think it's wise to plan for the future in Omaha when your future is not guaranteed. Um, another question says, what do you think is the likelihood of schemes maybe coming in and pitching a couple innings tonight? Not going to happen. <laughs> that is not going to happen. And that's not, I, I, it maybe sounds like I'm contradicting myself. That's not saving an arm. That's just cruel. I mean, Paul Skeens threw 125 pitches on Saturday night. It's Tuesday. 
you can't do that. You can't throw him for nearly eight innings, eight full innings. They went seven and two thirds. And then turn around and pitch him for a couple of innings tonight. Maybe, hey, maybe it's effort. Maybe Paul Skeens goes out there and says, hey, coach, I can give you an inning. I I wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> I would not bet on that. He needs his rest, you know. It's a lot of pitches that he just threw. Um, so, no, as much as I would love that, as much as I would love to be, see Paul Skeens every single night, not going to count on it. That's going to do it for me today. Enjoy the game tonight. I'm hoping that we have some wonderful news to talk about tomorrow. I am hoping that we're talking about beating Wake Forest tomorrow. But regardless, we will have a full recap of LSU Tennessee for the second time at Omaha. We'll get into that on tomorrow's edition of Locked in LSU.